Hi, I'm Kim Vu. Welcome to Vietnola, the show about being Vietnamese in New Orleans. Vietnola is a member of the family of shows on the podcast network, itsneworleans.com. Xin chào quý vị. Đây là bài Vietnola, chương trình pháp hành về cộng đồng Việt Nam in New Orleans. Vietnola là một bài từ chương trình podcast, itsneworleans.com. Today on the show, we'll have a conversation with our guest, Travis Trant, a New Orleans-based spoken word artist. In his college years at Xavier University, Travis was a science major by day, writer by night. He proceeded to keep his creative talents a secret until the annual multicultural event at Xavier University came around. At the time, Travis was president of the Asian Association on campus and felt a call to duty. Since then, he has been performing his art at various Asian American events and just and started a blog called Just Travis Tran. Travis, thanks for coming on the show. Uh, thank you for the invitation. It is a big honor because this is my first interview I've ever had. Oh, really? Yeah. And you've been you've been doing spoken word for how long now? Uh, since 2008. But I think in high school I I performed once because they had a poetry slam club. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I took a shot kind of put it out there i think it, i performed horribly so i was like oh, i was kind of it was high school yeah you're you're, you're allowed to pass it tainted me a little bit so i was like oh, i don't want to do this again so take this take us to the beginning of when you decided to start doing it again there was a multicultural event it sounds like there weren't enough acts you were the president of the club and then what happened yeah well we would we had a time frame you know of mm-hmm. about how time what when it would start, when it would end. But when it came to the, to the end of it, I was like, uh, is it is it too short or too long? So I already had uh, printed a piece that I had written. So I was like, uh, let's just go for it. I don't I don't know if it's too long or too short or if it'll even end on time, but let's just, just go for it and see if I get a good response. And I now, felt like uh, we were missing something, you know? Uh-huh. They had uh, dances and singing all, all kind of different traditional things and i was like uh i don't see spoken word and I, and I appreciate when i hear it so maybe somebody out there think that i'm halfway decent definitely not part of the asian tradition and certainly not part of the vietnamese american tradition how how was that i mean you in the daytime let's to give our our listeners the context mm-hmm. uh for what the situation was like you were a chemistry major in the daytime right yes and then you were secretly furtively writing poems yeah uh, i had i guess i don't know i think poems always start with some type of heartbreak you just kind of like and a lot of people choose to i guess use cliches or you know things quote other people what people have said i was like well i think i could have said it better or i think i can you know profess the way I feel in a way that people would bo- would be more inclined to sympathize with me or, you know, just heartbreak in general. I don't know why. It just it starts that way. Resonates, yeah. maybe. Yeah. A little, a little more easily than some of our traditional folk arts. Yeah. Well, having a conversation with somebody is, uh, you can't, you can't express the same way because they're going to look at you and be like, whoa, you know. But if you write it down and let have them read it, they 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 kind of retain it more, and they kind of feel for your emotions and your sentiments. But then you took it to another level, and you began to read it out loud. Yes, yes. How did your parents feel about this? You know, I never really. This is one of those things where I don't know if it's a talent or not. So I never actually told anyone or placed any 
placed any like I guess um event up there where I was like hey you should come to this and so and so if it's if they hear it through the grapevine it's even better and be like hey then I know that my talent or so-called talent would be you know an actual talent because hey I'd have a buzz so I'm gonna be like hey did you hear Travis uh or somebody come up to me and ask me um when are you gonna when are you gonna do your next spoken word performance so eventually they did find out yeah little by little <laughs> <laughs> and what's the reaction uh, keep helping me with yeah, my. Yeah, I kind of um, <laughs> keep were, studying chemistry. Yeah, <laughs> I kind of, I still kept it on a download. I didn't say anything, and then every once in a while, like, I have uh, very loyal friends that'll come to my Asian club events or mm -hmm. other Asian club or organizations that I attend, and they um, they basically ask, you know, oh, hey, Travis, do you have any from body from Xavier with any um, kind of uh, performing arts kind of things going along uh, and I'd I'd say uh yeah me or something they said you know they give a a weird response like what do you do spoken word I told them spoken word right they're like you don't play an instrument yeah so they, they, what, no what? I don't dance I have two left feet I walk around in circles uh yeah two left hands probably I couldn't play an instrument if I tried <laughs> So what was the t subject matter of the very first spoken word piece that you, you did? Uh, at, the t at the time, um, it's actually called, it's, uh, it's been a while. Uh, it was about this girl. I, I barely knew her. And the thing about me is I get really kind of immersed in uh, mesmerization kind of thing. You mm -hmm. know, I get mesmerized by a girl and, or, or a figment of her. And I just kind of kind of skew it into the way that I kind of think she is or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I, at the time, I mean, she's a good person. She was a good person. But good in person. your mind, she was a hero. Yeah, she was like this <laughs> yeah, heroine and right. with all kind of like flawless like facade and stuff. But so it was, uh, I just thought, of, I was like, hey, man, it's been a while since I've seen her. And I just kind of played on that. And I made her out to be probably better than she is or, you know, in, yeah. So your poem expressed how she was a heroine or your my viewpoints okay. of it yeah explored your mind yeah. in that in that frame of reference correct and what was the reaction of that very first um you know it was i had the ball rolling i kind of uh i was already okay with uh being in front of an audience being the president and all but towards the end i just kind of I was writing it as the, the the event was happening. Like towards the end, I had like a paragraph that I wanted to get across. And I would say the last two sentences was, I just bombed it. It was just horrible. It just, <laughs> it just kind of left like, like I had to say the end, you know, it's not one of those things where you come to a conclusion and you, be, and you know that that's the end of it. I had to, you know, stop saying something for them to realize, hey, that was the end. And it kind of like had them lingering or whatever. Well, you're probably your worst critic, but I'm sure people came up to you. And what was their reaction afterwards? Um, it was it was nice uh, because at that time I had I invited other um, uh, presidents of other Asian clubs or other organizations to the event, and they, you know, they say, "Hey, you uh, you should come around sometime, and I'm gonna have this event or whatever, and you should perform." And cool. that's kind of humbling, you know. I was like, I didn't know I... Highest form of flattery. Yeah. So what kind of events have you performed at since? Um, it's mostly <laughs> um, cultural events, but uh, recently uh, in June, I did a Loving Circle Poetry that a community do, that they have in, um, off of Elysian Fields. 
by uh, Delia. I don't know if you know Delia. Uh-uh. Most of my most of my um, arts, I would say, it would or performances come from Tap Bui, which okay. you've interviewed. Mm-hmm. She she keeps me in the loop. She's um, very much still connected within the communities and the organizations. So she's like, hey, um, oh, they come to her and she puts my name out there. She's like advertising me like I'm some hot commodity, but which I'm not. <laughs> but uh. Otherwise, I try to keep low key. You know, same as uh, when I started. I don't want to. I don't put myself out there. I'm not. So you av- don't market yourself. Yeah, of course. I'm not some kind of advertising. I, and plus, I don't want to get paid for it. They probably wouldn't pay me either way. And why? What What does that signify to you? If one, you start promoting yourself, and two, you start getting paid for it. It. This is a level of seriousness of it. You know, this. It's. Uh, it becomes. I, you, I, I guess I think I would lose myself a little bit. I kind of like to retain a little bit of humility and have the, um, a, a little less force writing. I feel and like sometimes when I have somewhere to be at a at a certain organiz- uh, conference or something, then they say it's uh, some kind of loving event or something. I feel I'm forced to write something about loving, even though I'm not in the mood. Uh-huh. So well, you're saying you're saying two things. You're saying one you don't want to flatter yourself by thinking you could do this for a living or to make money. But two, you're also saying you want to keep it a hobby so that you can only write about things that inspire you. Yes, correct. Which, which of those components is a heavier component? Um, probably the humility. Yeah. Like very Asian of you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) To this day, there's like my, some of my best friends that don't even know I do it unless they've, I've invited them to an event and just kind of surprise. Mm-hmm. But besides the fact that I kind of keep it on down low, it's, I want to get better. I, would, I, I mean, if I were to perform more and if I were more confident also, then I'd, then I'd do the whole marketing or advertising myself out there. Do you not feel that if someone paid you, it would motivate you to invest more of your effort into it? You know, I recently got paid to do poetry. I've got paid maybe like twice out of like a dozen times that I've done it. And I told the the, the person that's offering or, or um, asking me to perform, I told them, you know, I don't want to get paid, mm-hmm. you know, but she, they argue, you know, we have to get paid. This is, we got a certain amount of money mm-hmm. and we have to disperse it because we have grants. Or, right, right, right. But if by choice, I just do it just because, you know, it's it's a hobby. It's a pastime. Mm -hmm. And but it sounds like you have the potential to perform on, you know, pretty semi-regular basis. And you haven't you you're just adamant that you can't take money for it. Um, And your parents, how do they feel about this becoming something more regular in your life? It sounds like you help them both a lot and Mm. you help your father with his restaurant and then it sounds like you're also preparing to sit for your entrance exams into optometry school is this is this something you see as something you'll keep juggling along and you know are your parents worried it's going to threaten your career you know they've never actually even seen me perform Uh i've never actually invited them to any of my performances um but I don't think it hinders so much because I only I I write seldom now, and it's it's a point of time where I think they know that. Well, you don't. I checked your blog, and it's not seldom. Well, it's pretty regularly. <laughs> Again, you're being very modest, but, 
but I'm going to out you on this show. Oh no. Um, but you continue. You're just you're trying to. It sounds like you're trying to keep everything balanced. Yeah, it's it's um. I'm trying to lessen everything that I'm doing a little bit, uh, a little bit less work, a little bit less, you know, um, hobbies because I have like a ton of hobbies. I'm I'm very impulsive when it comes to being inspired by anything, and um, but I try to lessen it right now is because I know the fact that if I grow any affinity towards doing anything or being proactive about doing anything outside of studying for optometry school, that I will be like really uh discouraged to move away because there's no optometry school in louisiana and that's what's been held mm. holding me back is because of the new orleanian lifestyle you know mm -hmm. and you have grown up here yeah since uh 1995 okay and i i come from the west bank which is not even i wouldn't say new orleans it's just recently its own world the, last, the west bank yeah, is its own world yeah, the last decade <laughs> or la less um that i've become more and more cultured and you know yeah more open-minded to this yeah to, to leaving to. and so at your shows who is your typical audience and and are they a part of who you're writing for or is there another kind of audience in your mind when you're working on your on your pieces um i usually work on pieces according to how i feel mm -hmm. i don't really i become inspired about something and i just kind of play on it and sometimes it doesn't work out a lot of times I write but then it stops like midway and I just kind of toss it because I don't feel that same way about it but that's kind of true about what you say about the audience I do write for them so I write a bunch but then I pick which ones I want to post on my blog because you know they're not so personal and then they you know I guess that's what I feel like they want but as I'm writing I feel I learned that through other people's opinions um, each person likes a little part of what I write, so I don't really categorize anything anymore, but I do. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you understand that. Why don't you help us out and and perform something that you've worked on um, so we can get a better sense of, of what that's like? Yeah, let's see. <coughs> uh, let's see. Uh, I wrote this. Um, it probably sounds... Um, worse than it is but I wrote it in the waiting room uh, waiting with my grandmother it's a while back but now that she's kind of like you know towards the end of her whatever it's I she's guess, ill yeah she's okay she's close they, they give her six months but six months and where does she live she lives with me I take care of her I mean now that she's really ill I kind of have to take care of her and the restaurant and study so that's why I've been putting off you know, working full time. Mm -hmm. So actually, I don't have a title for this. Uh, let's call it uh, Grandma. She lives in the autumn of her life. The blooming of spring is long gone, along with summers filled with sunbathing and basking. She now dwells in the proximity without time, so she paces with her pacemaker, only there to see the fads fade, the trends transcend, the once illuminated dimming, and the soul maturing. Silently staring and reflecting on a living world, crouched in an unforced fetal position, near and dear to the winner of her discontent. Labels added to her chart to let her know her body is progressively deteriorating. Diseases, symptoms, prognosis, and, ever, and several words consisting of more than just four syllables. The endorphins and serotonin levels are headed toward the end of their half-lives. 
making it unbearable to taste even the slightest sweetness of life. Her occupation of a wife and a laborer has whittled down to the end. Having handed the pink slip on many occasions, she has her load lessened, the one she once complained about. It's been a long time and she longs to be longed for after retiring as a caretaker for her kids and her kids' kids. Her position within the company has been terminated alongside the declining economy. For a while, resting in an abyss of her own, her religion keeps her lightness, the levity. Palpitations pitter-patter her heart diddle-dallies with diabetes. She's too old to be told what to do. Her sensitive ears make the music we listen to too loud. Our unfamiliar habits have depicted that time is now owned by the youth and their recklessness. She doesn't dance, but her biological clock ticks. Her skin waves and her joints pop and locks as she gets, from, gets up from coin drops. Bones are now brittle with softened tendons and weary eyes, immobilizing her often enough to not see what is in her future. They were supposed to collect antiques in classics and be astonished in the presence of not do away with. They were supposed to be more priceless to pass on. Wisdom gone with teeth decayed from gingivitis, so her smile is rarely seen as she turns grim for the reaper. Steadily pushing the bucket, she now lives in the autumn of her life, for the earth is cold is a cold place to rest for the winter. Thank you. You're welcome. Does your does your grandma know that you wrote that? No. Um, <laughs> you know, a family is a little bit of what I write about, and I don't. I never show them. Maybe when I die, somebody will be like, "Hey, look at the blog. You're in there. You know, somewhere." Does she speak English? No, she doesn't. Mm-hmm. But she knows a few words. Hello, bye. But we, I speak Vietnamese towards her mm-hmm. once in a while. So she sounds like you won't be reading this to her anytime uh, soon. I don't think so. No. Uh, unless you can translate pitter-patter, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know where you're coming from. Yeah. I know where you're coming Americans from. Americans in the idioms. <laughs> Even sometimes for this show, I have to call my mom, you know, yeah. for help translating ideas or little things or proverbs and she'll be like you know i'm like no i don't know that's why i called you it's it's very difficult yeah it is and we're so americanized that it's hard to translate translate the things that you know we say and we we know very common sense in a common Common sensical sensical way yeah. yeah which goes to my next question um i saw your blog Mm-hmm. And your most you you wrote uh, a, an entry very recently called Moms. Yeah, Moms. It's, and it's about your mom. Yes, it is. And I like that you use the expression Moms. It's something I've only heard here and only by a certain demographic, typically young, Urbanites. black, urban, ghetto. You mm-hmm. know, typically coming out of one of the ghettoized neighborhoods with public housing projects. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've also noticed a lot of young Vietnamese or Vietnamese families own, you know, corner stores in these neighborhoods and an adoption of that culture by young Vietnamese. Uh, can you speak to a little bit about that? Uh, I'm actually um, surprised that you noticed, you know. Um, <laughs> well, I live in Central City, as yeah. you can yeah, yeah. notice. Down the street. Yeah. Well, um, my dad used to own a corner store. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I've become familiarized with uh, different types of people in New Orleans. That's why I kind of have a, an affinity towards it. And um, 
actually here's here's a thing uh, i went to sacramento and i kind of went there and everybody's there's not there's everybody's pretty similar no no two different no two people are d- too different you know mm-hmm. but you go to new orleans you go to a corner store some people talk one way you go to you know downtown business you people some people talk another way and mm-hmm. which is just gives you know a little bit of uh character you know mm-hmm. so it, it expands your your uh your viewpoints of different types of people that you know you associate with and moms and I, i've always heard moms so i, I was thinking oh why do they say it moms and, and some <laughs> and a part of it i was like uh, maybe it's because you know they're they're nurtured by only mothers and sometimes fathers aren't there mm-hmm. and uh i come from the west bank where it's kind of the most uncultured part of the west bank like the far end of the west bank where we don't even have you know any types of restaurants besides fast food so mm-hmm. it's uh pretty urban i guess you would say uh-huh and to what extent do you think new orleans street life influences your creativity I, i've always been like an observational kind of person so you know it's just different thing different people can do different things and there's a i've always believed in a southern hospitality so even if somebody's dragging their pants or something they might open the door for you or, you know, so you can't judge them upon that. And that's that's a good thing about New Orleans. We surprise people, you know, people come in our elevators and uh, we talk to people. People talk in the elevators in New York. People don't even look at each right. other. Right. <laughs> in the I subway. Mean, in the subway. They're they, they, standing they, two inches away from someone. They try to look, look away, you know, yeah. avoid eye contact. But New Orleans people, you know, as uh, as diverse as they look, they can surprise you mm-hmm. into a. Uh, and that, that's the good thing. Of that, that kind of inspires the, my spoken word is uh, the, you know, the, the various types of people that New Orleans, you know, attains. Mm-hmm. And keeps and brings yeah. and attracts. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a wonderful it, city. It is the best. I want to ask you to participate in our next segment called Vietiquette, mm-hmm. where we explore the quirks and charm of culture and etiquette both here in Vietnamese New Orleans and in Vietnam. Um, I asked you to share a topic that you'd like to talk about that kind of springs something to your mind. And you shared with me that uh, your awkwardness with terms of address. Yeah, that's, uh, that's correct. Um, I, my dad is a very sociable person, so I try to be sociable. I'm, I try to model a little bit after him. So I just... The other day, somebody saw me in the market, and I guess they recognized me from, you know, I used to do direct TV too, so they kind of talked to me, and I just don't know what, what to do call them. What do you mean him. you used to do direct TV? I used to do, a, my dad, my dad is an entrepreneur, so he mm-hmm. has direct TV, home security, he has the okay, restaurant. he used to sell it. No, he does, he still install does. install it? Or? Yeah, he has an installation uh, okay. mm-hmm. department. Um, yeah, he does all kind of stuff, so I just, if, I, if I'm not in work or if I'm in college, I do a little side job, so... Mm-hmm. Same thing with the, um, the home security, the the yoga shops I helped out with, and so you're saying you see a lot of people store. you knew, uh huh. Yeah, and they they recognize me, and some of them even have my number. You know, just you know, if you have something wrong with your TV or something, they call me. So, but the the point with the etiquette is, I, I never know what to call them because within the Vietnamese uh, etiquette, they always have a certain way to greet your elders as to the relationship 
with your parents you know if they're if your, your parents, father even yeah, yeah even your father your maternal side or your paternal side <laughs> and uh the age difference between your parents not only you but your parents so like even i would have to call my cousin Ain, even though he's younger than me but his parent is older than my parents <laughs> it's 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 really trippy it's overwhelming yeah and just addressing somebody is just like overwhelming just to say something and and you know be afraid that you're not accusing them of being older than they are or right. younger than they <laughs> are don't insult them yeah and then if you if you're not insulting them or you just use the wrong term nobody is afraid to just laugh in your face when you screw it up you notice that yeah, yeah. <laughs> some some light light-hearted people some people are really like you know they're asian they're vietnamese to like the T where they, you know, if you call them the wrong thing, they're going to put you on point, you know, that's right. Even though we've born and raised in this country. Yeah. Respect is big upon, uh, especially with, uh, just greetings informal. Yeah. Um, within the Vietnamese community. I think that's probably one of the first obstacles for a lot of people learning the language is trying to figure out all the yeah. terms of address. Your uncle on your mom's side is something. Your uncle on your dad's side is something else. If he's younger or older, they're both. Then there's something else. Like three different factors you have to kind of think about just to say hi. You know, <laughs> you know some type of. You should write a piece about that. I think it would be. It, I it, think it would resonate for a lot of Asians, not just Vietnamese. Yeah, probably. I can I can address the fact that uh, I can just put a, t a table as to what you call them and have somebody just walk around, walk to somebody else and say, "Hey, what do you call them?" and just let, let them just be stumbled and be like, "Oh, it's uh, wait, wait, they're older than my dad, but they're on my mom's side," and blah blah. <laughs> Very difficult. Well, it's um, just about time for us to wrap up, but I would like to ask you if you could share with the listeners if they wanted to have you share a piece at some performance, how could they get in touch with you? Um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty elusive. <laughs> I'm pretty elusive. Wow. Call, it sounds like call Tap Bui. Yeah, call Tap Mary Bui. Queen that's, of Vietnam. That, that's it. Your that's booking it. agent. Yeah, that's it. Okay. I'll let her know that she has this is now her formal title. You know, if you want to comment on my blog. Um, and what's the address of your blog? It's uh, justtravistran.blogspot.com. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. So if you want to comment, I, I'll put in consideration. But usually I, I'm, I'm not, I wouldn't say well-known around New Orleans. You can ask around. Somebody's going to get to me. Okay. Great. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you. That's Vietnola for today. Thank you so much for joining us at home, at work, on your phone, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. And a special thanks to today's guest, Travis Tran. Our show is produced by Kim Vu and Grant Morris. Our technical director is Chris Kehoe. Our web guru is Dr. Cliff Brigden. Our theme song was composed by Taylor Smith and performed by the Swamp Lilies. The fabulous audio quality of this show is brought to you in part by PreSonus Audio Electronics. PreSonus makes some of the best audio recording and live sound products, including Studio One music production software, Studio Live digital mixing consoles, Air Studio monitors, and much more. Visit www.presonus.com for more information. You can follow us on Twitter at It's New Orleans. You can like us on Facebook. We're at It's New Orleans. And you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. You can listen to our other Vietnola shows on our website, itsneworleans.com, as well as our other shows, Happy Hour, Out to Lunch, Mindset, True the Game, and Midnight Menu Plus One. Keep up with all kinds of fun happenings here at Vietnola by getting on our mailing list. Sign up on our website, itsneworleans.com. Vietnola was recorded today in the lovely city of New Orleans. If you'd like to be a guest on Vietnola, we'd love to have you. Drop us a line. You'll find all the info on our website. 
Vianola is produced by INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com. For everyone here at Vianola, thanks for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you back here next week for our next episode of Vianola. Until then, I'm Kim Vu. Bye. Summer's almost over, but at Old Navy, the styles are as hot as ever. Get to Old Navy now for 30% off all jeans, 40% off all dresses, and 50% off all tees. That's right, get 30, 40, and 50% off all your favorite styles for the whole family, plus up to 75% off clearance. Hurry in fast. These deals won't last. The sale ends soon at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid in-store 822 to 828 and online 822 to 824. Excludes in-store clearance, bubbles, active, licensed, and men's package tees.